0: The theme of this season is embodiment. As yoga teachers and storytellers, we've crafted the sequence in a story arc, linking the ways and means of embodiment into its own sort of flow. We started with the question of what is embodiment and moved into archetypes and patterns, which led us to where we are now, landing squarely or circularly in the hero heroine's journey. This chapter of embodiment we're exploring continues to challenge and inspire us on our personal paths. The same way a vinyasa flow class encourages us to stretch and move toward the edges of transformation on our mats.
1: In this episode, we sat down and just started talking about this journey we thought it would be illuminating to touch on the hero's journey based on the work of Joseph Campbell. In preparation for this conversation, Teresa dove into the heroine's journey, Maureen Murdoch's response to the male heavy hero's journey. So while we discussed the valuable map provided by both of these models, we also got into how masculine and feminine energies have informed this process, whether by inclusion or exclusion. It also provided a clear lens into how our individual and collective embodiment is informed as much by our culture and times as anything else. However you are listening to this episode, we hope you see a bit of your journey and the lights that guide it. I'm Sherry
0: Sadoff-Hank. I'm Teresa Tobin-Macy, and we are Anecdotal Anatomy.
1: we're going to be talking about the hero's journey and the heroine's journey, how they're similar, how they're different, why they're both important. Um, These are aspirational things. We're not sure what exactly we're going to hit. But we just mentioned that like things like Tootsie and Mrs. Doubtfire were examples of men who um, needed to embody female women's energy and characteristics to move forward.
0: Yeah. But I think when we talk about like, this hero heroine's journey that this episode is about and these different characters, I think maybe a broad definition of what they are is how do we approach transitions? Because our life is filled with, especially lately, right? The word pivot became a word that was was almost synonymous with 2020, especially if you're (laughs) in business, because there was all this pivoting going on. But everybody goes through layers of natural transitions in their life. And the hero's journey and the heroine's journey, they do such a great job of kind of giving an outline Mm
1: -hmm.
0: of the path and the journey. Now, we're not going to hit every single thing on any outline. But it does bring a little bit of clarity to the procedures of transitions. And I know that I even talk about that in yoga, and I use shavasana as an example of how we approach transitions. You know, at the end of Shavasana, are you ready to like jump right up and go, okay, class is over, (laughs) or are you a slow and lingerer, you know? Oh, I'll I'll rock back and forth. I'll lay on my side for a little bit longer. Yeah, I know everybody else in the class is sitting up, but I'm I'm slow to transition. And um, that's what I learned as I was doing this research was that it was a beautiful model Mm-hmm. um which brought a lot of comfort to me mm-hmm. to see that there there's a pattern of transition and um some of it's real fun and some of it's hard
1: and the 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 male and female energies we got stuck in that i think yesterday um but what you just said was a pivot from that and i'll say that yesterday we had a long talk about you know the hero's journey versus the heroine's journey and you know how they are it is a map it's just sort of they're both maps like you just said, to deal with transitions and the journey through this life. And there are differences in male and female energies and our qualities and the things that we, you know, I mean, we have different hormonal makeups in our bodies that inform that as well. Um, Yet we both male and female embody male and female characteristics. And um, what I found though, I looked at the heroine's journey a little bit more after you um, suggested that because I was sort of stuck in the joke Joseph Campbell model of the hero's journey, because that's what I knew. And um, what I found as a major kind of shift was that the heroine's journey was more poetic. Mm-hmm. It, it added layers of nuance to the map. So my mother was always sort of at the end of the uh, last several years of her life, she was all about taking the detours, you know, looking mm-hmm. at a map and seeing, you know, the main roads. And then she would say, you know, those little squiggly lines that come off the big road, take those. Take those. And what the heroine's journey seemed to do to the map of the hero's journey was create those little squiggly lines, created not just detours, but um, nuances to the already established off-ramps that the male of the Western species has already kind of decided for us.
0: I think that's, you know, using that term map, uh, because we've talked about patterns and archetypes and patterns from the perspective of a body worker who is looking, or a yoga teacher, yoga therapist, and and many other ways, even personally, building a deeper awareness of our own patterns, Mm -hmm. there's a map to those patterns. And as a body worker, I use a lot of different maps of how the body might move, where we might see postural imbalances, I like using Tom Meyer's maps of the anatomy trains to look at those patterns. But there are so many others out there, um, in the movement world that help us to see patterns and that offer maps that help me to look at maybe an area that somebody has that is of discomfort and then expand my view beyond that pinpoint place that says this is where it hurts and find all the contributors. Mm-hmm. And so the map of these journeys gives me that same clarity, you know, i I'm, you know, this is my left brain. So if you give me a map to look at that says, <laughs> Oh, here's the way you go, that that's really going to satisfy that strategic and logic part of my brain, which, you know, by definition, tends to be a more masculine attribute mm-hmm. that, you know, the strategic planning and um, needing the map, but in the same as I would see in bodywork, the maps are a starting point. And that's how I found um, these outlines of these journeys. They're right. a starting point to um, bring a deeper understanding. And all you have to do is Google heroine's journey or hero's journey and push images instead of all. And there are so many beautiful renditions of how people have interpreted uh, all of these steps and then give them to give it to us in these beautiful, nice condensed maps. And when I transferred it, you might know that I love spirals. So when I took that information and melded from different sources, Uh I put it on a spiral. Because I feel like these journeys are a way that we are, we have a beginning point, and then we spiral into our center. We're on this journey of discovery, of letting go, of, you know, really self-reflection that brings us deep inside. But at the end, it's a balance. Okay, we achieved balance here. Now we're going to spiral right back out. So I've made my own map.
1: And you know that's the key, though. I think that when Campbell, and again, you know, we're not scholars mm-hmm. in the journey, in the hero's journey. Curious, you know, creatives, people who are curious about you know this idea of embodiment and where does this fit on that path? And I was thinking about it. I was, I was, I was kind of putting side by side some of the attributes of both the hero's and heroines' journey. And it it occurred to me that both Joseph Campbell and is it Maureen? What's her name? Maureen. Uh, Attic? Uh, yes, Maureen Murdoch.
0: Murdoch, um, Murdoch, sorry. Who wrote
1: The hero- Heroine's Journey, that they were both observers. They were both people who looked at patterns and archetypes. So think, you know, the last two, the last couplet of of our podcast. This, you know, we have we have sequenced this season in order, in a very specific way, that they both looked at the patterns and archetypes through myth and through historic stories and things like that. To, to find those, to find the map, to be able to be cartographers of the journey. So they're not, they didn't, Joseph Campbell didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, you know what, I think this would be a really cool template for storytelling. If we had, you know, a hero, someone who's going to go slay the monsters, you know, and yada, yada, go through all these little steps. He came to it by observing that that's what happened in these myths that there was, you know, some some repetition of these themes. And so coming from a Western male-dominated part of our world at a time when, you know, it was definitely more male-driven, um, and I think we're moving a little bit out of that now, that, of course, the lens through which he created this or observed it was through his, you know, white male, 19, I don't know, he died I think in the 80s or early 90s. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but he's a male from a certain time from the United States and so that's the lens through which he observed. Now enter Maureen Murdoch, who had a reaction to that, had a response to it that gave a parallel opportunity to walk the, the map, to, to, to walk this path. And it all is about, I think, embodiment embodiment of lessons, embodiment of, you know, moving away from fear, you know, because most of the things in both of these journeys, there's an, I think, I don't know about the heroine's journey. Let me backtrack Mm -hmm. that on the hero's journey, um, the offer to leave home, which is one of the first things you leave, what's familiar, you, um, the hero refuses, doesn't go. So there's fear or there's a challenge or there's some reason why the, the protagonist is not leaving home. We gotta get the protagonist to fucking leave so that he or she can have the experience. So at some point something happens. But I wanna throw it to you because you, you shined a light on the first step was a question in the, in the heroine's journey. It was a question and then a more nuanced leaving.
0: Yeah. The question was, when did we separate from the female energy? And I think there's a lot of stories and a lot of different life circumstances that can take us um, and take us into a scenario where we can say, hmm, this is where we separated from that feminine energy. And you and I talked about this a lot yesterday, that this is not gender. We're not saying when did we separate from being a woman or a man, but that there's a balance of energies within us and we can call them female, male, feminine, male, uh, or feminine, feminine, masculine, but it's the energy that we're talking about, um, not the gender. Mm -hmm. But her take on it was that Joseph Campbell said women don't need To go on this journey because that's the destination that the hero is trying to get to the the to be able to find that balance and re-embody some of those feminine qualities and she thought you know well yeah that's true but females also sometimes and you know um also have an imbalance in the energies and In our culture, or at least in my generation of this culture, masculine qualities tend to be noticed more, and they tend to um, earn more respect. It's the getting things done and strategic planning and all of those things that I really like. But when I started doing this research, I started to realize that it's a lot deeper. And so the question was, when did we separate male or female from that connection to the feminine energy within us? And
1: you say that and the first thing I think is childbirth. Yeah. I think that they, that is a hero's journey on its own because the, the woman who's giving birth is leaving what's familiar. I mean, is moving into a new terrain. whether, you know, it, it just, I don't know if she refused it at first, but you know, certainly in this moment, the baby comes out is now separated from the womb where the nourishment and the comfort and the safety was. And then like cutting the cord, there's that, you know, it Mm. it could taking that sharp blade with precision to cut the cord from this female energy. When you said yesterday that um, Joseph Campbell had said, and apparently he famously said, but I had to Google it to find it, but I do remember you actually said it, was that women don't need to take the journey. And that shocked the shit out of me because woman is, is an embodiment. A woman is a person who has, like you said, male and female energies, that we have possibly the imbalance as well, that the ideal may be, Feminine qualities, feminine energy like communication and sensitivity and compassion and intuition. Those are, you know, sort of upper chakra ideals, sort of things that do connect us to this divine energy. And so maybe that is female. But that's not a woman, it's not a person. They are energies that, they're aspirational. They're not, you know, tangible physical things that we can say, ah, women don't need to do it, they've already got it done. Well, you know what, We that, then that just is saying that men, they got nothing, they have a, it. it it, it just takes the conversation in a direction that I think continues this idea of separation rather than unification which is what I think the work ultimately is about so that kind of surprised me that he would say it like that and not that we are all humans working to aspire to these ideals And if he were alive today you know we have moved so much out of the binary male and female energies that there are you know we keep adding on to lgbtqia plus i mean we're going to keep adding because as we evolve humans are getting that it's not either or that we have the opportunity to experience the fullness of all of it
0: and you know we've talked in last season when we talked about the koshas about finding the balance that there isn't, um, you cannot separate and keep in boxes different parts of our personalities, different energies that we have. Sometimes we do. And I think that this um, journey addresses that sometimes we do, especially if we're struggling with some something. Maybe, you know, we're in a situation in life where um, it's a little overpowering or it's a real struggle. And we step away from our emotions. We lock them in a little box. Again, coming back to as a body worker, you know, and and I ask people, where do you you hold your stress? I'm asking our listeners, where do you hold your stress? And many of you probably put your hand someplace on your body (laughs) that says, I hold it right here. And I think that In many cases, and I'm not saying that there isn't an injury or something postural that's contributing to that discomfort, but at the same time, sometimes it's, I really can't deal with that right now, so I'm going to put it here. And I think that's the disconnect of, I'm not dealing with the emotion, but if I put it in my body, I know where it is, I I can feel it, I may not mentally sit there and go oh yeah I had a bad day at work so I'm not gonna deal (laughs) with that and I'm gonna put it over here (laughs) right but our body has secret it holds our stories in it and that is a really important part of what we're talking about here that there's this mental part and when I looked at the heroine's journey she said that the first couple of phases are guided by the mind, the thoughts. Something's not going right. I feel like I have this calling. I feel that there's this disconnect and separation inside of me between my masculine and feminine energies. Maybe there's been a road of trial. I've been challenged and gosh knows, no matter most people that I know who are living in 2022 at this time have just experienced many different challenges on many different levels. We can label that as a road of trials. What did we go through? Um, How did you deal with it? Some people excelled and saw this great pivoting experience and said, wow, I have all this extra time. I have a lot more clarity on where I wanna go. But others struggled and maybe they struggled at the expense of self in some ways. So there was a calling to now there's something that we need to change. All the things that we knew as this is what I know and this is what my life looks like Mm -hmm. changed instantly. And that is really coming into this place of turmoil. And for me, I went right to my brain. What do I need to do? How do I need to do it? Can I plan it? Can I figure it out without Maybe in the way that Shauna spoke about it last um, in our last season when she was our guest, Shauna Ahern, who said the first thing she did was tell her kids, we have a day off today. Let's go play. Let's go. So she went right to the heart and the emotions Mm -hmm. of let's figure out what's going on and take a pause here. Mm -hmm. And so interesting to see how different people would come approach a new journey and everything changing at one time.
1: Yes. And when you said before about not always knowing in the moment, oh, I'm putting my stress here. We've joked about it because I always told you, yeah, I used to put my stress right under my left shoulder blade. And that colony of knots gave me the permission to live as a free spirit because it's taking care of it. But the thing was, I didn't know that in the beginning. It took some perspective. It took a bit of a journey to then be able to be the witness. To be able to watch it happen so these conversations that we have are not just to hear ourselves talk it's about you know being the witness and bringing other witnesses in to contribute to these conversations about living in a body so with that distance i could see oh that's what's happening that's why when i go in to get some body work done there's a lot of time spent on this left shoulder blade interesting that's where you can feel the knots. so this idea of being witness uh it's it's hard it's hard to bear witness you know it's something mm-hmm. at the local level of your body and then you know embodiment of our culture when things break down like after 911 i was living in new york city i just got married 2 days before 911 and then going back you know, a few weeks later and going down to ground zero you know there was an opportunity to write something and i just wrote the word witnessed you know witnessed i was here i wasn't physically there but to say that we get to then tell that story we get to tell those heroes stories having looked at it you know the war in ukraine right now I we have to bear witness i can't watch a lot of it but i have to watch enough of it so i can think mm-hmm. and see a person and have their image in my head their embodied life journey and where that is right now and you know putting myself in their shoes saying this could happen conceivably anywhere. And they are not separate from me, even though, yes, we know that our skin is the barrier that separates the the individuals. But it's like that that Rumi quote about um, we are not uh, a drop in the ocean, we are the ocean in a drop. So if you take a cup and you dip it into the ocean water, it's still ocean water in the cup. It's the ocean in a cup. And that's what we are. And so, you know, to this idea of separation, that my hero's journey is somehow different from yours, it has a different, you know, feeling sense about it, a different bhavana, if you will, Mm -hmm. that, you know, feeling state of consciousness, as Liz used to to define it. And so I think that it's when we we start with our bodies, because that's the closest relationship we have. It's the data that we have the most access to if we're curious about it. And so this this journey is, you know, the the piece about the hero's journey that I never really thought about it in terms of male and female before the energies, because I just saw, all right, here it is. You can Google it. There's either 12 steps or there's four steps or there's 22 (laughs) steps or all these steps on this this diagram of the journey. But the ones that resonate with me that I feel that I look at, you know, like Siddhartha or Dorothy or Odysseus, and we've talked about that, is that here's this person who is living their lives, their life, they're doing their thing, and then they have a call to action. They have a call to leave that. And at first they're like, eh, no, I, I can't do that right now. I, You know, I've got things to do. I'm a little afraid or whatever the thing is that keeps them from going. And then at some point they do go. And they meet a mentor, they have someone they're talking to who's helping them through like King Arthur when he was a boy, when he pulled the sword from the stone. Thank God for Merlin. (laughs) Merlin was there to help him along. So they have this mentor. And then they learn and grow and have these trials like you were talking about these challenges and tribulations. I love that trials and tribulations. And then they learn something. They're up and they're down. They're, not, they're not, they not wearing a cape and flying around. They're getting up and falling down. But then they learn something and then when they return home, they're changed. But they return to a sense of normalcy. They t- return to their lives with this new superpower of what they've just learned. That becomes the new normal. And then who's to say they don't start out again on another you know, hero's journey? You don't just get one in a lifetime, I don't think.
0: I don't think so either. I think we're constantly on a variety of hero's journeys, and sometimes we're trying to find the closure of that journey. Sometimes we see that it repeats. You brought up nine eleven, and while you were talking, I was reminded of a client that I had. And, you know, um, her husband was in the Twin Towers, and she had lost her husband, her children, their, her children lost their father. And that was a journey of... You know that was imposed on them to go through this healing journey and to be able to get the counseling that she needed to help her children with this trauma so as a country we felt the trauma but then there were also the individuals that felt it Mm -hmm. but the the journey that i'm referring to was she shared with me and i don't even know if they still do this But every year on 9-11, they would have a memorial in New York City at the site of the Twin Towers, and although a big part of her was very appreciative of the honoring of the men and women that were in there in the Twin Towers, she shared, she was like, it's dreadful for the families. Because every time we finish the journey and we're able to have a little bit more healing and we start to move on. And um, I shouldn't say the families for her. I don't I can't speak for the others. But for her and her family, it felt that it was it was reopened over and over again and became raw. And so what was designed to be an honoring was a really difficult part that kept bringing them back through this entire journey from start to finish, Mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, get up and go to these honorings and relive this. So I think that really speaks to, you know, what you had mentioned that you prepare for that journey. And on the research that I did, it's that once we prepare and make the decision, yes, I am going to take this journey. I have left home. I have left that job. I have left whatever it is. And I'm ready to do something different, to do something new. We move out of the brain and into the feeling body. Mm -hmm. We move into the heart. um, And that's kind of the place where I like to be.
1: (laughs) And that's very interesting because in the heroine's journey, it talks about the feminine healing process, that that's one of the things it's designed to do. So intention is also really important when, energetically anyway, when you're thinking about, you know, the male and female or the masculine and feminine qualities. So if you're going on a journey that's designed to be a healing process, that's designed to bridge the gaps of the male and female energies by, and also integrating them to make the female and male energies, you know, coexist, in a in a sense of wholeness, well, that's very different than what some people refer to on the hero's journey as being more about personal glory and victory and the quest from external for an external objective, you know, for you know whether it's war or killing the beast or, I mean, these are mythological themes that are probably less um, relevant to uh, a, an ordinary human's hero journey. So we can be changed in many many ways but on this course of embodiment and using the hero's journey to to look at to be the witness of what that means for embodiment you know when we are raised to in a more male dominated culture which we are and there are other cultures and other times that revere women a little bit more in the female qualities but because this is where we are, we do embody a certain understanding. Like it's which kosher would this live in? What we embody the knowledge that men will advance more in their jobs. They'll be paid more. They are, like you said, more respected. Like there's, there's a feminist movement because <laughs> of a, a response to this, this information. And it's really just data. That, but we embody it. We embody it when we walk into, when we get, like we were talking yesterday about Wonder Woman and, um, you know, this idea that, you know, she's sexualized as the superhero, but then she's in a military, very tailored suit as her, her human counterpart or her, you know, in disguise, yes. incognito person. And at first I thought they were different but they're not really. I mean, the sexualization is for men or for people who find the, the female form really desirable. And the, the tailored suit, the sort of more militaristic, that she had to, to show up a little bit more male in her real life in order to advance. So it just, it's, um, it's in there. It's in the images that we take in. It's in the stories that we're told. It's in the way brothers are treated different <sighs> from sisters in a lot of senses. Um, you know, the, the boys don't have the curfew, but the girls have to be in by 11. Um, there's a sense, you know, these are just stories that I, this is not a general thing. All boys might, don't have curfews and all girls must be in by 11. But the sense that there's a discrepancy in the way that the girls are being treated separate from the boys. But I do have an interesting story. <laughs> and I don't know if this woman will be listening to the podcast at all. But when I was at NYU, I had a teacher. Um, her name was Jan Cohen-Cruz. She was Awesome. She had twins, a boy and a girl. I'm not going to go into her whole backstory because that's her story. But she had twins, and I remember she told us this that she was a, she's a hippie. She was totally determined to treat them equally. That this was going to be, you know, the girls were going to get the the girl was going to get the trucks and the dolls, and the boy was going to get the dolls and the trucks. And what happened organically? This is their babies. They're not, you know, is that the girl just really wanted to play with the dolls and the boy just really wanted to play with the trucks. Now, that's not um, an overarching theme. This was this one particular example. And think about if that's where you're starting with a certain inclination. And I don't think we should demonize inclination either. Mm -hmm. You know, that there are certain things that we have. And coming into balance doesn't mean that we have to have the equal amounts of male and female energy. It's going to be different for each person. For someone, for some men having more female energy brings them into better balance for who their authentic self really is. And that takes being their own witness and being on their own hero's journey. For some women, having more male energy brings them into more balance to who they really are authentically. So this is not to create a ubiquitous model of, balance means equal parts of this and that. Nah, it means finding out what you need to feel in balance for you. Imagine starting out with a natural inclination and having that reinforced over and over again through stereotype and through images and through real life experience. I just find it fascinating, all of it.
0: Yeah, I, I find it really fascinating. I have to say I learned an awful lot through this research. I learned a lot about myself. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about the journeys that I have been on. We'll share a lot more of those next week in our couplet. But, you know, even you were using the word balance of male and female. And what I found um, when I was looking was the word integration mm-hmm. of feminine and masculine. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that because it speaks to what you just said. It doesn't have to be a 50-50 split. And I think at different times in our life, in different circumstances, in different things that we do, mm-hmm. there's a natural imbalance. We're at some things that we are doing, like, I don't know, caring for young children, you know, caring for the baby. Maybe our feminine qualities, being male or female, are more prominent at that time. You had talked about cutting the cord and, you know, so just imagine if you've had children and you brought them home, you know, that maybe we are tipped a little bit more into the nurturer, the nourisher, the mother qualities, some of that more feminine Mm -hmm. care for holding that baby. So it's not necessarily balance, but a recognition that we can integrate these and it's a fluid integration. Mm -hmm. And depending on what task we're coming to do, Mm -hmm. we're going to call on different qualities to accomplish what that task is. Oh yeah. But that idea that women didn't need to take this journey because the feminine was where these heroes were trying to get to is again out of balance there's not an equal integration no and in the heroine's journey they talk about our our more identification Mm -hmm. with our masculine side, with our masculine qualities. And that is true for some, not for all. But as we move through and we prepare for the journey, when we start to recognize that we don't have this beautiful integration, that something is missing, and we're looking back. And everybody has gone through hard times where they're looking back and saying, (laughs) what's next? Where should I go? Should I leave this job or stay with it? Should I leave this relationship or stay with it? You know, we're, we're struggling and we're trying, we're going through those trials. Mm-hmm. We start to prepare to do something. But for me, I think what really stuck out as part of the journey that I was reading about was that sometimes there's an absence of spiritual gratification. And I interpreted that as the damping down of the emotions, mm-hmm. the maybe losing connection with my practices. We talk a lot about practices and intention and meditation and um, I, I talk about walking. That's my meditation, getting out into nature. And when I look back on different journeys that I have, I find that when I'm in my most confused state, when I'm really struggling in those trial of errors, my practice is the hardest to connect to and i found that when i work with other people too that sometimes when we need it most is when we don't do it mm-hmm. and you know i currently have people taking my yoga class who are saying oh well happen to be an accountant and it's tax season so i don't have time for it right now i'm so overwhelmed i'm doing so much work i have my my day to day my day starts early it ends late and what happens is and it happened to me is you step away from your practices mm-hmm. And it seems that when we need them the most, sometimes they're the hardest to get to. And so I really like that there was this idea that creativity gets damped down when we're under pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes leaning in to our spiritual practice Mm -hmm. becomes less accessible. Um, Maybe we feel estranged from others or from whatever's going on in that decision. Or maybe it's just an estrangement from self. Mm -hmm. If we've lost contact with that feminine energy or the masculine energy, maybe there's a disconnect that we just don't feel like our authentic self. We're struggling to find out who we are. And Mm -hmm. in every journey, that's it, right? If you're changing from one job to another, you know who you you were in the last position, right? But how am I going to show up here? Well, because
1: we do embody so many of the archetypes, you know, our patterns are patterns. It's sometimes hard to see when we're in them. Like the other day when we were talking and, you know, I, one of my archetypes is devil's advocate. I've always just naturally, um, I don't know if it's because, you know, I, uh, debate, like there's something great about the idea of debate, that you take a stance that is not necessarily one that you believe in, but you'll defend it. That yesterday when we were talking about this, I kind of lost my curiosity and even my compassion. And like I said, I kind of went to prove the point about the hero's journey. But, you know, in retrospect, the maps themselves seem to be um, the more important thing than than talking or or getting stuck in the male and female, which is important, I think, to acknowledge and to see where it shows up and to integrate, like you said, into our story and to see where we are on the journey, so that we can not only be the witness but an active participant in that. But when I first started thinking about the hero's journey, it wasn't. It didn't have a male female component to it at all. It was. Almost I believed it was neutral. And I've come to see that it was probably more male heavy. But um, in my approach to it, it was a neutral space to talk about growth and how we move through the world and embody the things along the way. So this is to go back to say that when I was in the devil's advocate pattern, I didn't see it it was like being a fish in water or being a human with air around i don't I, I didn't know that that was happening until afterwards but that was an embodiment of an archetype that shows up and sometimes is part of my trial sometimes it's part of my challenge in my hero's journey and my personal journey because i get stuck there and when curiosity is gone there's no room for growth you don't you don't know what you don't know and so that is that's one of my bigger obstacles but looking at it you know we all know the Wizard of Oz you know Dorothy Mm -hmm. she had to fucking leave her you know Kansas to have this adventure and you know she didn't she was just she had with uh, the witch you know on the bike she had kind of dealt with that in Kansas and then all of the metaphors and you know the story but then when she woke up and she recognized that every person in her real life was essential in her journey to become the person she needed to be at the end of that, when she got to the end of that map. Siddhartha had to leave to come back. Odysseus, you know, he had all sorts of trials and tribulations <laughs> along the way. And there's so many of these stories. I think of when, in terms of movements, it's not just people, civil rights movement. Rosa Parks, talk about a journey. You know, there had to have been, you know, her normal at that time in our history to be able to have the courage to to take the seat on the bus in the front. I mean, that is... I mean that maybe not the original start of the civil rights movement, but it was certainly an impetus and a, and momentum to keep this going, um, and an important part of our journey uh, as as in the United States. You know, as you know, I think that we can have you know national heroes' journeys that you know these characters that play their parts in helping our humanity move forward. And um, <sighs> and move through, and there is certainly no lack of trials and tribulations in various communities that still have space to move forward, and we all have to, you know, be allies on that journey, so sometimes we have to take the journey alone, and sometimes we have to look for those allies and those mentors and those people who help us
0: along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, you have so many entry points for me to come (laughs) come back in. There's so many entry points that... um, I can look at, but I think I'm going to start at the end, because I think you beautifully um, put those stories together of the archetypes that are very relatable to us. But they all have one thing, I think, in common, and I relate to this, and even on that more um, global and collective journey that you're referring to, is that there comes a time where there's this after we start and we come to the journey and we realize that we're in the middle of it, there's this major deconstructing of who we are. If we're going to transform, then there's a deconstruction. And you know, you know my one of my favorite phrases about fascia, which is we deform and reform based on request without bias. And on this journey, there's a deconstruction of what we thought we wanted, where we have been, but now we've chosen to move on. We're taking all of those past experiences, as you said, with us on our journey. Some of them are gonna stay because all of the experiences that we've had in our life have made us who we are. And it might be that we've had terrible traumas in our past. Maybe we have Me Too movement things in here where there's a male hierarchy that's in our head and it's influenced some decisions, but it's also given us resilience and a different understanding and maybe a, a conceptualization of that masculine energy that maybe came in as a protection. Mm-hmm. So we adopt some of those that may be the disconnect from the feminine when we maybe when we meet with trauma being Soft uh, being compassionate and dipping into our intuition and leaning back into those things may be difficult. So maybe we find something that's more, I need to be in control. I need to, you know take back my own power. We may look more at the what we would label as a more masculine type quality. Mm-hmm. But when we start to deconstruct on the journey. And I use deconstruct not as it necessarily has to be a bad thing because we want something different at the end. So we dis deconstruct and, you know, maybe dismember ourselves. We take ourselves apart, which is so totally different than when we talked about the koshas, where we talked all about putting ourselves together. And that journey of deconstruction, it's hard. You know, maybe we walk into a place in our life where we have to sit with our own sadness and create the space to have it. That maybe there's a grief, not necessarily a grief because something awful happened, but sometimes there's a grief of letting go of something, yeah. even switching a job and you're like, well, I really like that job, but it's time to move on. Maybe there's a grief in there, or you were in this deforming, um, part of our life. So, a lack of focus or a lack of direction. And I know that if I'm in, when, I, when I am in there, and I'm in a journey right now, that the lack of focus and lack of direction can be stressful, you know, especially if you're used to being very directed and accomplishing things. But what I learned is you can't ignore those feelings. We need to create the space to have all of our feelings and Crying is just a n- another expression of letting things out to laughter. It's, mm. you know, I know that you talk a lot. There isn't a, you know, it's not binary. It's not crying or laughter. There's a lot in between that takes us back and forth between the two.
1: Joni Mitchell would say laughing and crying, you know, it's the same release. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> got to throw Joni in there. No, I, I was just listening. <laughs> I heard, I, um, I probably talked about this before. You put it in at just the right time because sometimes when I need some clarity, some people have all different little things they do to find it. I take out my phone, I have mm-hmm. thousands of songs. I put random play and say, Tell me a story. And the first three <laughs> songs are my story. Um, weird or not, that's mm-hmm. who I am.
1: that's not at all weird that's it's like picking a tarot card it's like you know looking for signs and symbols um in the world around us and isn't that what we're supposed to do on some level to to be awake not woke not you know that's kind of taken on a certain negative connotation um, because we do like to take things too far i think Mm -hmm. sometimes but to be aware to be awake to our lives to i think if we were to leave our listeners with a few things like why are we talking about the hero's journey? What does this have to do with embodiment? I think we touched on a lot of that through this conversation so far. You know, the things that we don't have control over, that our subconscious taking in images and messages from our experiences and from the media and from the world, the external world that we internalize integrate, digest, sometimes we shit it out and it becomes a part of us, Mm. you know, it becomes a part of, you know, at least something. And then when we have an opportunity to like what you said, um, deform to deconstruct, so that we can, I think, so much of this is about remembering, because the deconstruction piece sometimes happens organically. Sometimes that disembodied feeling of, you know, being out of balance is the thing that draws us to this journey. So that we can discover what, what the hell is going on? Like how do we how do we manage all of this energy? And so the journey, if we're given step by step you know, things that we see that have happened in other people's stories and, you know, that have happened enough times that they've created these patterns, then we have a template. We have a template that allows us, if we have enough awareness, to then take a step back and see where we might be on this journey. Why am I going through XYZ right now? Why is this happening? You know, where am I in this whole thing? And then we can begin to see our own archetypes and patterns, how they've been embodied. And maybe part of our individual hero's journey is about letting some of them go, inviting some of them in, interrupting those patterns, you know, showing up as this whole person that we are without demonizing any of those aspects, but being curious enough to, to change them if they're no longer serving us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... Because journeys are hard. Transformation is hard. Choosing something different is a difficult thing to do. Many people struggle over, I don't like my job, or I'm not happy in a relationship. Whatever that is, it's a difficult step to make. And so the map really does bring a lot of comfort. Um, I always like to know, sorry, Not that misery needs company or any of those types of things, (laughs) but to know that other people have walked this journey successfully. They're giving an idea of what stage in the journey you're on. How how long is this thing going to last? You get to look at this map and go, wow, I've really come a long, long way in this journey. I've turned the corner. I'm, I'm I'm in a different place. And, you know, in that eye of the storm, we... Notice, when did we devalue ourself? Not only were we deva- maybe devalued externally, but do we devalue ourselves? What words do we use to tell ourselves who we are, right? Do we repress or swallow our authentic voice because we're worried about how we're going to be judged? And I think in the end, what we're looking for and according to the maps that I've looked at is the yearning to reconnect right? We can come back changed. We can go through this journey. But part of us is going to reconnect again to that authentic self. And maybe the authentic self got lost for some time. Mm -hmm. And we were kind of floating around in the ethers, not really knowing who we were. Mm -hmm. And we have to take this time to feel the sadness, to take the time to look at maybe a loss or a change, Mm -hmm. A change doesn't have to be a loss. It can just be a change. Right. But then reconnecting Mm -hmm. with who we are so that the healing Mm -hmm. and the integration of that feminine and masculine Mm -hmm. can work cooperatively together.
1: Yes. And I think what Shauna, you've already referred to her, what she's doing now is helping people reconnect with their joy. Because I think for many, the sadness comes easy for many, Mm -hmm. not all. It's the joy piece that needs the, the kick in the butt. It needs the reminder to say, hey, you know what? You can feel both sadness and joy at the same time. In fact, I'm not sure you can fully do one without the other. Um, there may be just be a hint of sadness or a hint of joy in the other, like the yin and yang, yin and yang with the little dots of the other within each other. But I think that as we you know look at this as a journey, journey, there's a, an imp- implication of movement that you're journeying mm. towards something. But if you're moving towards something, you're also moving away from something. And, and each individual one is gonna be different. That's the beautiful thing about this particular kind of map is that it just kind of gives you guidelines of a sort of road, road. Uh, what do they call them? Uh, not roadblocks. When you see something that is familiar, land, uh, land
0: landmarks 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 yes landmarks landmarks, <laughs> You're ta- yes. landmarks. Reference, points. landmarks.
1: Yes. reference points oh my god yes turn
0: right at the barking dog until you get down to the big old oak tree <laughs> exactly and then if you've moved away from the area you haven't been
1: near the old oak tree in a while you come back the oak tree's been cut down and you know some uh a, a vegan um fast food joints just opened up <laughs> Um, right where that um, oak tree was. And so you have to learn the new landmarks, you know, so that the, the whole topography is changing. But I think that these conversations can get really sort of um, ethereal. They can I, I know I tend to go off in more philosophical. And I think that it's a service to be able to ground this in a real situation so that, because we're real people walking on real journeys and, um, you know, there's time for for philosophizing and I try to find a lot of that time because I enjoy it. But to be able to see yourself on, on the map, to be able to see yourself in the story and to be able to maybe not look at someone else's story necessarily, I mean mythology is useful in the bigger picture stuff but to be able to maybe identify those qualities that you have and then see, oh, are they, ask the question rather than predetermine. Are these, am I more male over female in my qualities? And does that feel right to me? Where does it feel that that there's a divergence and you know, but that kind of thing. This is where I kind of go off because (laughs) there's the map and then there's the nuance. And I think I get stuck in the nuance and it's more helpful sometimes to, you know, find a landmark, mm. landmark.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think in the end with everything that you've said there, it's it's coming back to our own true nature yes. and life gets busy and things change and and sometimes we get lost with what that is. But as we go through these journeys of change and acceptance to know that, you know, going back to our yoga practice, this too shall pass. we have practices of non-attachment to know that no matter what we do, we don't really have a control that things aren't going to change. And sometimes changes are really easy and they're small and they're minor and we just go in the flow. Again, yoga, we go in that flow, it's fine. But in the bigger journeys where we're in life transitions and I think collectively we're in one right now in many, many different ways in the world. And we're looking at those different maybe depending on who you are. Maybe you're still in the eye of the storm. Maybe you're coming back out into a reconnect. Okay. We've gone through a lot. Let me come back to my own true nature. And I'm changed. Am I going back to the way I used to do things? Have not, I altered if, them yeah, some? Yeah. yeah. Not,
1: not if you've done the journey and yeah. what's more heroic than, than living your most authentic self. Yes. There's nothing more heroic than that. And I think that that is why. That's the why of the hero's journey.
0: Before we introduce our next episode, I have an exciting offer for our local Pennsylvania listeners. I'm hosting a workshop on ethics, resolving inner conflicts. It'll be held on April 2nd, starting at 10 a.m. I'm excited to step away from Zoom and into nature with you. All the details are available on my website, integratednaturalhealth.com and in the show notes below.
1: We understand that this epic journey of heroic embodiment is bigger than an episode on a podcast, but it is also the perfect place to start the conversation. Join us next week as we continue meandering down this path with stories that further animate the heroic journey we are all on. I'm saying heroic journey because it's our way of combining the hero and the heroine into one journey, which it ultimately is once we clear the deck of old language.
0: In our next episode, we will be telling stories ranging from the cosmic view of myth through the modern collective experience all the way to our individual tales of embodiment. Using the heroic journey as a map, we become cartographers of our own embodiment. When we can see ourselves on the journey, we can better understand where we are going and who we are becoming, as well as being better able to see others where they are. Perhaps this work is another tool of cultivating empathy and tapping compassion. Let us know your thoughts, stories, and perspectives on embodiment through this season you can email us at anecdotalanatomy at gmail.com. Thank you to our editor, Judith George, Keith Kenny for our theme music, and Cindy Fatsis for our photos. Until next week, I am Teresa Tobin Macy.
1: I am Sherry Sadoff hank and we are Anecdotal Anatomy.